Welcome to the Middle Tech Podcast, this region's leading business podcast, shining a light on technology, entrepreneurship, and the future of business in Kentucky and beyond. Our goal is to advance the ecosystem by bringing attention to the founders, changemakers, innovators, and those supporting them. Middle Tech's content can be found on your favorite podcast streaming app, social channels, and YouTube. We encourage you to follow and participate in the conversation. Let's discuss and build the future. Welcome back to the Middle Tech Podcast. You've got Evan Knowles and Logan Jones here. We just sat down with Heather Worrell. She is the Executive Administrator of Digital Innovation at JCPS, which is the school district in Louisville. So this is a really cool conversation. Heather's working on the bleeding edge of EdTech and innovation that is happening within the school system in Louisville and the surrounding area. And with COVID happening, you know, innovation is at the forefront of so many of the conversations that are happening around education. And it applies to everybody because everybody is affected by our education system in America. And so Heather is somebody that will get you really excited about the subject of technology and innovation within the school district uh, and overall just within EdTech. And Kentucky is really lucky to have her. Yeah, this was a fun conversation. One, because my mom is an educator as well. So I kind of got to see her go through the struggle of adapting to COVID and trying to have technology introduced to her. And we talked a lot about uh, introducing technology to the classroom and all these different types of technology that students are using to learn. We talked about students using Minecraft, uh, virtual reality, all of these new and emerging technologies that are going to play a huge role in the way children learn uh, and, and are educated these days. Um, so we talk about the ed tech ecosystem as a whole. We talk about the education's, education system's ability to adapt and stay innovative as they use these new technologies. And then also just where the ed tech ecosystem is heading into the future. So a very fun conversation, uh, especially if you have somebody that works in education or you're going into education. Uh, this would be a very important episode for you and one that you should definitely uh, take a listen to and pay attention to. Um, but like always, we just want to get a quick word from our sponsors before we dive in. This episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Land Betterment. Land Betterment is doing some incredible work throughout Appalachia and Eastern Kentucky as they are taking abandoned strip mines and putting sustainable businesses in their place. These businesses not only provide a useful repurposing of the land, but they also provide great jobs to replace the mining jobs that were lost when the mine was shut down. To learn more about Land Betterment, you can listen to our interview with their founders, Mark Jensen and Kirk Taylor, on episode 97, or visit their website at landbetterment.com. We're also sponsored by Airwing Ventures. Airwing helps determined entrepreneurs seeking resources to grow with capital and connections in order to build successful companies and impactful legacies. They're all about high growth companies, high growth careers, and high growth communities. I've personally known Dan Beldy for about four years now, and I've seen the work he's been doing in the community, and we should all feel very blessed and grateful that a VC like himself is here in Kentucky. I encourage you to connect with Airwing and learn more. Let's all grow this state together. You can reach out to Dan at info at airwing.vc or dan at airwing.vc. And their website is www.airwing.vc. We're looking forward to this discussion with Heather today. She is the executive administrator of digital innovation with JS, JCPS in Louisville. So that's their public school system. And we're looking, really looking forward to this conversation because when you sit down with Heather and you hear her energy towards technology and just the students and their outcomes and how they interact with technology, it's very infectious. And it makes you want to hear more and learn more about you know what JCPS is doing on that front. So Heather, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks, guys, for having me. Ready to rock. We're looking forward to it. Yeah, we are too. So before we get you know into any of the specifics of what you're doing there in Louisville uh, with the school system, talk about you know your background and how you found yourself in the innovation side of the education system. Yeah. Okay. So middle school teacher, uh, those crazy middle school students, you kind of feel figure out early on that you have a knack for that age group. So I was a pretty renegade middle school teacher. 
Um, I specialized in kinesthetic learning, and this would have been like 2001. So technology in 2001 um, really didn't exist too much. We had the big computer lab down the hall, and you'd take your class with the floppy disks, and you'd uproot them and retransplant them in the computer lab. And then, you know, so you had to get pretty creative to get kids engaged with their learning. So kinesthetic learning, um, turning all the content into songs and raps, like that was that was it back in 2001. Then the the rolling uh, smart board emerged. Uh, so teachers that are, you know, veterans like I am, we remember uh, the cow computer on wheels and the rolling smart board and you're pushing the cow down the hall and you're pulling the smart board and you're trying to, you know, get kids out of their seat and interacting with the smart board. Um, so that's kind of, uh, you know, as a teacher trying to figure out how to integrate technology and really my passion is student engagement. I mean, how can we get their heads, hearts, and hands involved in what they're learning? So moved on to be a library media specialist, like never in a million years. Why library? Well, it is the best staying classroom in the school. You get greater access to tech. You get to work with every kid and every teacher. And I wanted to make a bigger impact. So I did that. I did that for seven years in Bardstown. Um, loved it. I thought I, I never saw myself leaving, but I got to a point where I was tired of trying to pull the administrators, the school principals along to be more progressive and innovative. And it was just a constant battle. And so I thought, you know what, put your money where your mouth is, go back and get a second master's degree. Let's do this, get off the bench and let's see if you can be a school leader and do something better, you know, re kind of uh, really challenge the traditional educational model. So just got lucky in life. You know, you just never know where this this crazy life will take you. And uh, Wes Bradley, who is now the superintendent in Nelson County Schools, he uh, had done Teach for America, taught in the Bronx, inner city Chicago, had a lot of involvement with the charter network. And uh, he's a Nelson County boy. And he thought, you know what, I've learned so much in these big urban districts and and charter schools usually have an opportunity to be a little bit more innovative because they don't have to battle the regs and, and such. So um, he came back home and he wanted to take a lot of the things that he had learned, uh, you know, and, and thought about with progressive school reform. And he wanted to apply it to, to rural Kentucky, which I think is, is really interesting. He wanted to come back home and they actually uh, built, they took a high school, split it in half and built a brand new high school on his grandfather's farm, which was really cool. So he came back, he was um, hired as the principal. Uh, this would have been like 2011-ish. And uh, he hired me to be his AP. And he, when I saw the vision for the school, it, it was bold. Um, unapologetic. Uh, he was really uh, huge into culture and making schools awesome places to work. And we'll probably talk more about that. Um, and so we sat down together with the vision he had kind of crafted and, and we just challenged everything. Like Rage Against the Machine is my favorite band. I question and challenge everything. And this was an opportunity to, to completely deconstruct what is school and, and challenge the nomenclature. Why are we saying faculty meeting? Is anyone inspired by the word faculty meeting or are we saying it because we've been saying it for years? We didn't even call our teachers teachers. We called them leaders. You are the chemistry leader in this building. Um, so we challenged what we called teachers, um, what we called students. They were all leaders and, and aligned to our leader values. Um, we challenged the furniture. Why are kids sitting in rows like graveyards? And why is the teacher the sole conveyor of the knowledge? And you know, it's just just everything. I was just uh, really tired of the way that school had been done to me. School was being done to my children. And I uh, really took a stand and, and wanted to change that. So one of the first things we did, um, and I, I think this is the part of the story that people are always really interested in, is uh, we were meeting with the architects, Studio Kramer and Louisville, really awesome team they had there. And they were wanting to put computer labs in our schools. And we said, heck no, we are not doing technology like this anymore. If I, at the time, it was like 2011. And we visited Kentucky Country Day, which is a big, I don't know if you know, it's a big private school here in, in Louisville. And they had, in 2011, Chromebooks. So we came back to our board and said, we want to buy Chromebooks because we want to integrate technology into the classroom. We don't want to have to uproot kids and, and ship them down the hall. We want it to be nationally integrated. It was pretty bold back then. I mean, you had some Kentucky districts like Fort Thomas was, was uh, kind of partnering with Apple a little bit. Um, but for the most part, uh, you know, KDE, the Kentucky Department of Education, which I later went on to work for, um, they said, no, it's not on our bid list. So we, can't. So we, we really pushed back. I don't like to be told no if I think it's what's best for kids. 
kids and teachers. So we, we kind of pushed back and we were the first public school in 2012 to get the Chromebook waiver. And now there are like hundreds of thousands of Chromebooks in Kentucky. Could you imagine, uh, you know, the pandemic had we not had access to technology? So our school, uh, we really focused on innovative instruction and integrating technology and uh, coupled with really awesome school culture. We wanted our teachers to love coming to work. Happy teachers, happy students. And so within four years, we went from 178th high school in the state of Kentucky, which is the, the data we inherited, to top 10, the top county school in Kentucky. And a lot of people ask how, and it was leveraging the, the technology, the Google systems and, and tools to create systems of uh, transparency and efficiency and, and, and rapidly force multiply uh, culture. Um, and, uh, you know, so we rapidly grew to a top 10 Kentucky high school and we were a tell uh, Kentucky winter circle school for teacher job satisfaction. So we had rapid success. Um, so that, that that's just a little bit of the educational background. I started telling our, our growth story and our success story and keynoting it around the state. Uh, and then before you know it, KDE says, hey, come work for us and do this full time. And so I worked in over 100 Kentucky school districts on strategies like that. So sorry, very long, wordy answer. As you can see, it's been a wild ride. Yeah, no, that's perfect. And I love your innovative mindset when it comes to education and technology, because, you know, as as you're talking about that and you're talking about the cow and the smart board and the computer labs, that was like a burst of nostalgia for me, For because for a lot of kids, their first interactions with technology are in the classroom. I mean, a, a lot of people don't realize that that's where, you know, you're spending a lot of your time as a kid and that's your first exposure to technology. So if there's robust technology in the classroom, you know, that can inspire those kids and that next generation to, to go out and explore more technology. So one of the things I wanted to, to talk about as we start diving into this is uh, the initiatives that you were bringing into these schools around Microsoft Minecraft, Google, mm -hmm. VR. So talk a little about that. Let's start with Minecraft because that's one that our yeah. listeners might not expect to be in school, even though I'm sure the kids absolutely love that. Talk a little bit about that initiative. Yeah, so we uh, we definitely we believe in digital agility for all. So uh, I often say we're not a, um, a Google district or an Apple district or a Microsoft district. We're at whatever is the best tool to get kids excited about learning and the best tool for teachers to integrate in their instructional design. So let's just take that one because I could go off on on all the different partners and all the great ways we're trying to integrate them into the learning experience for kids. Let's just take Minecraft because that's the one you, you mentioned. Um, so Minecraft traditionally is a game, you know, parents think of it as a game, but uh, kids, and I don't know how much experience you, you gentlemen have with Minecraft, um, kids will sit for hours in Minecraft and build virtual worlds. It's augmented reality. Uh, and if you're old school like me, back in the day when we were kids, we were asked to do a social studies project. And oftentimes we would get a piece of poster board or a piece of paper and we'd fold it up and we'd regurgitate information and then we'd stand up in front of the class and present it, right? Well, guess what, guys? That's still happening in 2021 and we can't stand for it. So how can kids demonstrate learning and success skills in innovative ways that they love? Well, one way is with Minecraft. So the problem with Minecraft, and I think as it relates to Kentucky, this is something that we have to be really proud of, is at the time, you know, Microsoft, it's a their premier EDU product, and you could not Minecraft on Chromebooks. So we were in JCPS in Louisville, Kentucky, really proud to be the district that helped kind of bridge Google and Microsoft, uh, so Chromebooks and then this, this digital tool together. Um, and we were the first district to pilot Minecraft on Chromebook, so a Microsoft tool on a Google product. So we did that, and this has been a couple years ago. And then once they went through the beta phase and, and it went to you know full-scale production, ready to rock, um, we now in Louisville have the highest student use and implementation of Minecraft EDU of any district in the world. Um, and we're very, very proud of that. So why is that important? Because kids love to create worlds and demonstrate um, in that augmented, augmented reality. And it's funny because uh, we, we launched a Minecraft camp. We brought teachers in by content area and taught them how to integrate this for kids to demonstrate their learning. And uh, the teachers would tell us, you know, one teacher said, oh my God, this parent called me and they were so mad. Why are you giving my kids so much homework? You know, they're working for hours on your class. Well, it wasn't, the teacher wasn't giving any homework. The kid loved building, and I think that he was building like a hurricane shelter. 
Like, here's all the resources, build a hurricane shelter that could sustain this, this, this. It was a science lesson. And the kid was working at home for hours, building and creating an innovative and, and being the architect of this shelter. Um, so why not? You know, the kids are ready. It's the, in, a lot of times we've got to get the teachers caught up and able to jog behind the kids. So we're really, really proud of that. And, um, you know, JCPS, our goal is to be the most innovative urban district in the world. And, uh, you know, initiatives like this and success like this is helping us get there. So digital worlds, how, how are they, you know, you mentioned a hurricane shelter there. Uh, what are some other examples? Because I, I, can, I can envision them, you know, doing that. And how are you incorporating yeah. other classes and what class was maybe that hurricane uh, shelter for? So that would be, uh, you know, uh, a middle school science class, um, but it's all content areas. Uh, and uh, for instance, let's take, you know, during the pandemic, um, we partner with the Kentucky Derby Festival. No one could really go to a Kentucky Derby Festival event, you know, during the pandemic. So we issued a challenge to kids. This is just one example. We want you to recreate the eight Kentucky Derby Festival events in a virtual reality. So people can experience uh, the Chow Wagon, the Marathon, Thunder Over Louisville, the Pegasus Parade. So they can go through the world and experience these virtually from home. So that's like on the competition side. But on the content side, let's think about perimeter, volume. There's so many math lessons. And if you understand Minecraft, you know that it's built on, you use blocks to build. So lots of great math lessons in there. Um, English within the Minecraft world, kids will pull up a quill and a scroll and they have to explain and articulate, um, you know, in reading and in writing how, uh, you know, various aspects of the world that they built. So social studies, um, so many, you know, I think you think about ecosystems, biomes. Um, uh, you, I've seen a million dioramas. You know why? I mean, instead of a diorama, I mean, that's we've been doing those for a long, long time. Uh, kids can create that Native American, um, you know, hut, uh, whatever in, in, a, in a Minecraft world and present that. Like you go into the Minecraft world with the kid and they take you through the shelter. My own child spends hours building veterinarian shelters. She's got a place for her horses and her cows and she feeds them. And it's just absolutely fascinating to watch them um, develop and, and be creative and be architects in this space. I mean, this is just, a, I could send you a list, Evan, of, of connections to content. And I'm, I'm curious, you know, who's developing the, uh, the virtual worlds and the different modules that you're mentioning is Microsoft doing that or the third parties developing on the uh, Minecraft is there an API and then I guess the the, ne the next part of that question is how are the students consuming this is this on a on a desktop on their Chromebooks or do they have VR headsets no so um, like I said Microsoft owns Minecraft Mm -hmm. And they do this on their Chromebooks, which was, it, they had always been able to do it on an iPad um, or a desktop. So that was not, and that was actually a barrier because we do have schools that are one-to-one -one iPad and they had access. It's a little bit harder to build on an iPad, but you can do it. Um, but, you know, we didn't have really laptops and, and the goal is to move away from, um, you know, stationary devices. The future is flexible and portable. And so we really don't, we wanted, we want, we don't necessarily want kids to have to go to the computer lab. So it was imperative that Google and Microsoft team up to where we could make this happen through on Chromebooks. Um, Chromebooks are cost effective, they're durable. Uh, we've scaled them across the state of Kentucky. And so we were the first district and now other districts uh, are, are starting to turn on that domain because I don't know if you know much about how Kentucky, uh, the Microsoft tenant in Kentucky. So I think Kentucky is Microsoft's largest mega tenant, one of the largest mega tenants in the world. Um, and when our Kentucky Department of Ed decided to give school districts the, oppo uh, the opportunity to use a Google domain for email or a Microsoft domain for email, one of the decision, the reasons they did that is because they wanted to give them choice um, because the Google domains were emerging across the state. 
But one big reason for the divestiture of the megatenant was because KDE wanted school districts to be able to turn on the Minecraft feature if they chose to. And if they were controlling it and not giving that local ownership, then the district couldn't necessarily turn on all the features. So that was the first domino that kind of had to follow was the divestiture of the megatenant, uh, the Microsoft megatenant in Kentucky school districts. And I also want to give David Couch a plug. Um, he, he is the associate commissioner of the Office of Education Technology and one of my former bosses. People often think of Kentucky as being so far behind in ed tech. And it's just really irritating because most Kentuckians do not know that under David Couch's leadership in 1995, Kentucky was the first state to have every school wired to the internet. In 1995, the first state in the United States to have all of their public schools wired to the internet. Did you guys know that? No clue. That's really impressive, though, for that early in, uh, in the life cycle of the internet, though. Yeah, right. And the, the Kets engineers is what they were called back then. And, uh, you know, he is he's still there. I mean, he's been at KDE for 20 something years now um, leading. And, and we really do in Kentucky want to be, you know, the most innovative state when it comes to education technology. Yeah. And something uh, that was kind of going through my head as you were talking about uh, the different types of classes that kids would interact with Minecraft on is what this is doing is essentially giving kids to be a way to be hands-on, which I think is the best way to learn, especially if you're a kid. If you're allowing them to go into this you know, virtual world, you can allow a lot more hands-on learning in subjects that you might not have been able to otherwise. Uh, and kind of the, the follow-up question to that is, you know, you're talking about trying to get these teachers on board with this. How are you communicating the importance of this technology to these teachers in order to get them excited to implement this into their classrooms, because I'm sure this is quite overwhelming to teachers. Yeah. You know, my mom is a is a first grade teacher, and she had to yeah. had to learn Zoom and Google Meet and everything, and that was a lot for her. And she's yeah. pretty up with the times, so I'm sure that was a challenge that that you faced as you tried to implement these technologies as well. Yeah. So you know, there are a lot of innovative teachers out there, and they're they're sprinters. I call them purple cows. I mean, they're in schools. They're remarkable. They are hungry to innovate and create engaging learning experiences for kids. And so you got to hook them in first, right? The early adopters, the sprinters. Um, and one of the things that we do in JCPS is when I talked earlier about digital agility, badging, the notion of badging in education has um, really been popular in the past several years. So becoming, you know, and with teachers, there aren't a lot of ways unless you get a master's degree, um, which now in Kentucky, you don't even have to get a master's degree yet for a long time you did, but there's not a lot of ways to stand out as a teacher. So one way that you can stand out is to uh, Im improve your digital agility and get uh, Google certified or Apple teacher. And that's one of our partners or Minecraft innovative educator or this new thing, Minecraft educator. So we're getting ready to run a big camp and um, we'll have all kinds of teachers pursuing their Minecraft educator certification. So, uh, and there's many, many, many other badges as well that teachers can earn. And what happens is after they complete uh, the training, um, they start implementing it in their classroom, they get a badge, uh, a lot of them use it on their email signature, and then we celebrate them wildly. Then we have them running the trainings um, because we listen to someone who's walked a mile in our shoes much easier than someone who has not. So we shine a bright light on those teachers and then they bring in other teachers. And through that, I mean, the rapid success of, of Minecraft and JCPS would not have happened without so many teachers embracing the digital tool and integrating it into the classroom for kids and it's working. Yeah, let's let's take a step up here um, on the ladder. How does the entire school system, how is it structured that they are able to adapt and um, adopt new technology, you know, when it comes out like Minecraft? How long did that decision take? Did it take, you know, too long in your eyes or was it fast? And if it is fast, then what kind of systems are in place for you guys to be able to adopt fast, quickly? So um, I don't know if you guys heard um, in the press a couple years ago about the digital backpack of success skills. So the digital backpack of success skills, essentially, we want kids to demonstrate, I mean, obviously, like a, a number, a score, an ACT score, a GPA, whatever, those things we have, you know, they're going to they're going to be there, right? Because the, 
for what, okay, we are, we're not going to go down that rabbit hole, but they're going to be there. But kids, if you think about the evolution of IQ and EQ and the fact that kids could have lots of other strengths and skills that don't necessarily show up in that number score. Like we can't, we're never going to see those skills, you know, in a number. Um, so our superintendent and our CAO had the vision, they met with the community and they, uh, came up with five back, what we call backpack of success skills. One of them is emerging innovator, right? So strong instructional vision, emerging innovator, productive collaborator, globally culturally competent citizen, et cetera. So when I was brought on the team, and this will help you understand, because this does not happen, Evan, if the district leadership does not have a strong instructional vision, right? That's the first thing that needs to happen. And then people like me come in and say, okay, you want kids to be emerging innovators? Then I need to bring in all the tools and put all the tools in these teachers' toolboxes that allow kids to demonstrate that they are emerging innovators. So one of the things that I did that's a key part of this story uh, with our team is we were looking at products on the shelf. And I know that you guys feature a lot of startups and and this might be like a a little um, breakthrough for some of them. Um, We looked at a lot of products on the shelf about, uh, you know, how can kids archive evidence of this learning, right? So how can I show you I'm an emerging innovator? You're not really going to see 75 on a test is not showing middle tech that I'm an emerging innovator. I got to see a product. So we looked at a bunch of products that existed and we didn't like any of them. We put out an RFP, they all showed up and I just do not, I, if, I will not take no, you know, I won't take no for an answer. And I like, I don't like any of this. So threw a Hail Mary out to Google, um, Iris Vale in New York City. And I said, here's this bold instructional vision for this urban district in Kentucky. Will you all help us build something to capture evidence of learning around these success skills? So essentially, so kids can curate um, these artifacts that they're creating. So Minecraft, if Evan builds, um, instead of a poster board or a diorama or a handwritten brochure, if Evan builds a, his hurricane shelter in Minecraft, he records it where he's talking and navigating the audience through his, his shelter, then we're going to take that video... And we're going to upload it in your backpack. And at fifth, now this is the, the cool part. I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss, but this is the badass part right here. At fifth, seventh, and twelfth grade, Evan is going to stand up as a fifth grader and open his digital backpack that we built with Google and a company called Amplified IT. We built it. Um, he's going to open up his backpack on that big display and he's going to sh- take us into his Minecraft world and defend why this creation shows he's an emerging innovator. And then why this thing that he built, this podcast he's doing with his friend, shows that he is an effective communicator. So there's a little snippet of that podcast. Uh, why this thing that he created shows he's a glo- globally culturally competent citizen when he went down to City Hall and stood up um, you know, against an ordinance or something. So do you see what I'm saying? That yeah. vision, then my team comes in and help with the digital tools and helps teachers create experiences where kids can demonstrate those things for those defenses. And they do it at key transition years, fifth grade, eighth grade, 12th grade. So if you think about deeper learning and graduate profiles and who's doing the big work that's really challenging school, I think it's our district leadership here in JCPS. I think we're at the forefront of that. Hmm. It's crazy. Uh, you mentioned the backpack concept. So I want to take us you know, uh, uh, kind of a step back in, into the, the time portal here. When I was a freshman in college, uh, some friends and I, Michael Lewis, who you might be aware of, yeah. and a couple others started a company called Finance U that had some of those same themes. You know, as a high school student or as a grade school student, you know, like you said, there's so much more to you than just your your grades, your GPA and your ACT and your SAT. And we created a company called Finance U that would allow people to upload, you know, their digital music library that they had created if they were a music producer or they could upload film of them playing a sport. They could upload projects and videos of things that they've built and then raise money for college scholarship using that what, you know, in your terms, a, a backpack, but in our terms, it was like a, a student profile on our website. And we were allowing students to raise money on who they truly were versus, you know, these, these uh, numbers-based uh, metrics that oftentimes, you know, miss who the student really is. And so it's, it's cool that you guys are, are trying to incorporate that into an entire school district and school system 
because that really, I think, will bring a lot of creativity into the students' lives because now they're striving for more than just, you know, a number. And a lot of students get, you know, really discouraged when they look at a number on a grade, on a, on a test that comes back to them. And maybe that's just not, you know, one of their better subjects. Or maybe they get their ACT or some of the other ways that you measure a student. And that's just not, you know, what they're good at. And so it's cool that you're trying to incorporate many of these other parts of the brain and other creative outlets into this backpack. And I love that, that concept. Um, where do you well, see that heading? How is that? Yeah. How is the progress so on that? here's, here's the big challenge. So we work very closely with Google, Applesoft, uh, Applesoft. That's hilarious. It's been a long day. <laughs> Google, Microsoft and Apple. So they are our premier partners. And so one of the things that I did early on, and this is my third year in the district in the pandemic year, does that really count? I mean, so really where this kind of got legs is was in the first two years. And so when Google or Microsoft or Apple would come into town, because when you're a big urban district, and I've been in smaller Kentucky districts, it's not like this, but when you're the big urban district, everybody wants to come play because everyone wants success in an urban district. Um, and so one thing that you need to know is we scaled that backpack and we built it. Um, I think I was hired July 1st and Marty, our superintendent, Dr. Paleo, by uh, the first day of school, he and, and I don't know if you know anything about him, but Bob, he was a student assistant under Bobby Knight. So um, when he says he wants something like we got to deliver. So um, that was his leadership training. So he wanted it the first day of school. And uh, we had a, a month to build it and then we had to scale it out. So that's a whole separate story that we're not going to have time to tell. But but that scale strategy and how we uh, got to every school and trained up every school on how to use the backpack with kids, because at the time, I mean, JCPS had only had their Google domain barely opened and on. So just there was a lot of upskilling that had to happen. Uh, and so as we started having success with that, then other people wanted to come and play. And that's where Apple and uh, Microsoft come into town. And so what we would do is they would bring their, their, you know, Northeastern regional direct, their big guy on this part of the country out to see us. And I would say, okay, first thing we're going to do is we're going to go sit in on a backpack defense. And we would reach out to schools and we'd say, who's doing backpack defenses? And, and we'd go and they'd sit with me. And guess what they would see? They loved the vision, the instructional vision. But when the kid would stand up and defend their backpack, there would be a poster board, a picture of a poster board in the backpack, a picture of a handwritten brochure. And so I told them, I was like, here's the challenge. If we're going to partner together, like you have to be authentically integrated into the, the, the support strategy for this initiative. I need you to help me help our schools leverage your digital creation tools, your digital innovation tools. Um, help me upskill people on how to choose that and give that as an option for kids over that poster board. And so I, I spent some time in Cupertino. Um, Microsoft was camped out with us for weeks. Uh, we're launching camps for teachers everywhere. And then the pandemic happened. Now, Wow, to be in this line of work during the pandemic, but here's what it did. It was the miracle grow on your mom's digital agility, 100%. on everyone's digital agility, kids, teachers, parents across the district. Um, our teachers had to integrate these tools. And how was a kid going to demonstrate learning? I mean, they weren't going to turn in a poster board. They were going to have to leverage a digital tool in order for kids because the backpack went on. I mean... Marty wasn't backing down from that. Carmen wasn't either. Uh, so the backpack went on. We still had defenses, but the demonstrations of learning looked much different. Does that help explain that, Evan? Yeah, no, that, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah, um, something that yeah, I was kind of thinking is, as you were talking through this is I'd love to hear a little bit about what the kids think of this. I'm sure you're getting some some feedback from them one way or the other. I'm not, I'm sure all of it's not hundred percent positive, but right. I'd love to hear, I'm sure they're in love with this program. So what's some of the feedback and some of the signals? Okay. So from, year from one. Yeah. Great question. Year one. So Carmen Coleman and I kind of work, I'm the bridge between our CIO and our CAO. So chief academic and, and then our tech guy, our head tech guy. And it's like kind of whole, I always tell everyone it's like holding two kites in a hurricane and making sure that those kites are like moving together. So um, 
she was called the backpack lady because really this was a big vision that she had cast. Uh, she's a national deeper learning. It's Dr. Carmen Coleman. She was with UK Next Gen for a long time. She's a national deep, deeper learning uh, expert. And so she would show up at high school saying, you got to think you're a senior getting ready to graduate. And now someone's telling you, you got to do a backpack and you got to put stuff in it. Uh, digital stuff, and then you've got to defend before we're going to let you graduate. So when she would show up at something, she would get booed. Uh, and, and you know, I, I can get it, you know, seniors. But over time, now kids are building their backpacks with artifacts, and they can't wait to fifth grade when they get to defend. Um, you know, and a lot of kids, it's a huge uh, win because they have so much anxiety about standing up before a defense panel and having to, to present, and, and they dress up. It's, it's precious. They dress up. Uh, it's a big deal for the parents. Um, but the, the best part of going to a backpack defense, it is seeing the kid, but, but the equally best part of it is watching the teachers. There is, and you all are invited. I personally invite both of you to come and sit in on a backpack defense this next school year. Here's what happens. Those teachers, teaching is a marathon. It is uh, an endurance sport. It is, it is a labor of love. It is tough. And when you've poured your heart and soul and energy into these kids, and then you see them up there presenting these, these things and these, and these breakthroughs they had in your classroom, the teachers, it's a very emotional experience for them. And if you watch a panel of teachers watch their student defend, guaranteed tears. It's very powerful. Everybody's crying. I feel like that's so much more robust than getting to the end of the school year and seeing that your your student got a really good ACT score. Like if you're seeing what they actually created and watching them passionately defend it, that has to be a more emotional experience for the teacher. So I can totally see how that becomes a big feedback loop for the teachers is we're using this technology, we're leveraging all these tools, the kids are loving it, and now look, we've got a passionate student that's actually built this portfolio, this backpack where they can take out into the real world. They actually have real yeah. world assets that they can go and show people what they've done. I'm sure that is just an incredible experience all around for, for all those involved. Um, and but I bet it puts, kinda, real quick, I bet yeah. it puts some pressure on the students to you know be creative and be productive and, and maybe work a little harder than they would otherwise because now they have other ways of being judged on you know who they really are versus these these grades. Um, is that is that something you're seeing as well? Is that... You know, it pushes the students a little bit more because they have to stand up in front of people and say, hey, here's what I've been doing and working on. The, and who they are as people, like that number, yeah. they are so much more than an ACT score or GPA or a satisfactory, right? Who they are as people. And in the backpack, so one of the things they always do in the beginning, uh, and one of the skills is prepared and resilient learners. So some of those things do come up, like the their progress on their map scores. I mean, cause you know, that quantitative stuff is there and it's going to be there. But, um, and so there's a piece of that where they, they talk about their growth and map. Um, but the cool part, Evan, is that they also talk about their interests and they always have pictures of, you know, they're at the community theater. Really? And they're very passionate about that. And as teachers, when we have 30 kids, especially I was a middle school teacher, so I had 120 kids, and to get to, to know the passions of every single kid and, and get the, you know, watch them stand up in front of, of an audience and say, you know, I love to do this and I'm a gamer and, um, you know, I'm, a, I'm on the swim team at the whatever. I mean, we would never know. So just all the parts of the person, the little person being, you know, celebrated is just something special. And I hope that if anyone listens to this podcast, I hope that they look to their district leaders and they say, how can we let our kids demonstrate their brilliance, their gifts, um, their strengths, their skills in, in creative and innovative ways too? You know, something that I'm curious about that I'm sure you're thinking on a lot as you use all of these new and emerging technologies is, you know, how is education going to change as technology continues to change? You know, we've got VR that's being used yeah. more, collaboration software, all of this remote stuff that's now been emerged because of, of COVID. In the next five to 10 years, how do you see education changing as technology changes? Okay, so Heather's pie in the sky answer is, you know, my team, I always tell, I, I lead the digital innovation team in JCPS, the best dang team on the planet. Um, and I, and I always tell them where we are now. And then like my, I, I can look five miles down the road. And so immersive learning 
you hit the nail on the head, immersive learning. So VR, uh, I could, we could talk forever about VR and where we're going with VR and I can go into AI a little bit, um, because I, we're kind of, uh, working with a, a company in stealth mode. So, but I can touch on AI if you want as well, cause that's going to be huge in Absolutely. education. And I'm sure you guys are interested in that. So VR immersive learning, um, we, Heather's pie in the sky idea, five years down the road, every science and social studies teacher in our district has their own VR headset for a class set, their own, their own class set. And we look at our curriculum and we, with our partners um, in the social studies and science departments, and we designate parts in the, in the scope and sequence where an immersive learning experience would be very engaging for kids. Um, and we, right now, my team, like we're used car salesmen, we have VR headsets and we go out to libraries across the district and we try to get the principal and the librarians to want to buy their own set. Um, and, uh, but the goal is that eventually that trickles all the way down to the classroom and science and social studies teachers are, and there's nothing better. I invite you to come watch this as well as when one of, someone on my team's co-teaching uh, immersive learning VR experience. And they're like, let's go to the rainforest and talk about this biome. And they click the, if they're on an, they're on an iPad and they're controlling what the kids see and they click to go to the rainforest. So the kids all go, wow. And they're looking around the rainforest, you know? Oh, just to just to interrupt that. Yeah, go ahead. That is a hundred percent the way it is because I've been taking videos. I have a VR headset. Uh-huh. I've been taking videos of people doing it for the first time. Every single time, it's always, oh my wow. gosh, I can't believe it. And so bringing that into yeah. the classroom, absolutely. So VR, huge, and we just launched with our Academies of Louisville project. I, I want to go like those are little kids. Let's talk about big kids. Let's talk about kids that want to be firefighters. So we just bought a product called Flame which is the whole fire equipment and gear, um, and it's VR. So our kids in the fire science pathway, I think it's Fairdale or Fern Creek, one of those two high schools, um, they experience what it's like to battle a fire in virtual reality as part of their training. Same thing with our health sciences pathway. There's a program that we bought there. Um, the cool thing, remember I told you about defending your backpack? We bought another product that we are testing now where kids defend their backpack in virtual reality. So it's the, the defense panel is sitting there with, with headsets on the kid. Okay. You're in the world. The kid walks out on the stage. We're sitting in the audience. This is for real. It's awesome. A big screen comes down behind the kid and they're projecting their backpack artifacts in virtual reality. That's going to happen. So virtual reality is a, a key strategy for us, as well as robotics. And I could go on and on about robotics, but AI. So the future of classrooms. Here's what we're pushing. Uh, we have a bold, unapologetic vision to quote our chief equity officer, Dr. John Marshall. And we, we want to make this happen for kids. Um, the bold, unapologetic classroom of the future uh, we're shattering the industrial educational model. It's not working, especially for our black and brown students and our data, our gaps continue to grow. We've got to do something different. So, uh, furniture, flexible furniture, blended learning. And these are all, you know, edgy speak, but essentially personalized learning. Kids are on a playlist. They're moving at their own pace, place, uh, you know, path time, all those things. It's custom for you. No more one size fits all teaching. Um, so the, the, the classroom space in the emergence of virtual learning hubs is happening in JCPS. We're getting ready to roll out our expanded course offerings. We have a press conference Monday. You guys just got the early scoop on that. Um, how can we leverage, uh, virtual courses asynchronously with synchronous support to expand course offerings across the district and create equity? So all of our high schools are going to be putting in virtual hubs where kids can come within a given class period and take that dual credit AP CTE course etc. So that's that one piece. Um, expanded course offering. So to do that, we got to rethink furniture. It's got to be flexible. Uh, it's got to meet the needs of the kids. No more one size fits all in rows. And the technology has to be flexible and portable as well. So classrooms with um, whatever the teacher needs, a, a card of iPads for creation, a card of Chromebooks for consumption, some creation, uh, a, a class set of uh, VR headsets, um, kids working where they need to work based on their passions, um, demonstrating learning in ways that they love. That's the future of school. Shattering silos from school to school. 
And uh, let me just tell you, one school offers one AP class across the town. That school offers 61. We can't stand for that. So how can we leverage technology to expand course offerings and create equity? And we're going to be making a big announcement on Monday about how we're going to do that. One, one question I have along those lines, in order to do like really personalized education, you got to have a lot of data. And so how are you guys approaching privacy? Because these are, you know, these are you know, young, young students, you know, they're children. Yeah. Where, at what points are you collecting this data and how are you, well, how do you view security around all of this? Yeah, good question. So our district has probably the most stringent and rigid data sharing agreement uh, every one of our vendors says we set the bar so high that they know if they can meet our bar, they can meet any other district in Kentucky. So we do not mess around with student data. Um, our state, uh, we're, we're very standardized in Kentucky, and I think one, that's one of the reasons we've had so much success under uh, David Couch's leadership. We have a student uh, information system uh, called Infinite Campus. That's statewide. That houses all student data. Um, it's it's managed by KDE. It's secure. Um, when it comes to like map testing, all of those things, they you know they all these companies have met our data sharing agreement and uh, have been approved by our board and, and are legal. So very 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 secure. It's almost so hard for us to even get these things in. Um, companies have to jump through a lot of hoops. So um, but for for kids' data because. We can have all the data in the world, but if the kid doesn't know their data and understand their data and know where they want to go next, it doesn't matter. So one of the cool things in the student backpack is we have um, PhD coders on our team in, in our district, br br uh, brilliant people. Um, Chul is one of them. And we say, Chul, we want you to build us this. So what he did was he took our information systems coming from like the kids map data, which is their kind of... Uh, quarterly test on reading and math growth, their report card data, their behavior data, their attendance data. And he built a platform so that every kid, when they go in their backpack, they can click on their prepared and resilient learner tab. And it shows them their custom most up-to-date data, which I think is pretty awesome. And I've been across the state and I haven't seen anyone else doing anything like this. But what we do is we sit down with those kids and they get on the Chromebook, they look at their data, and we use that data to set growth goals with them. And then when they defend their backpack, they say, hey, I met my goal or I didn't or this is what I'm going to do next. So data is very important. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one of the kind of last questions here is we're talking kind of futuristic and, and where we see things going. I think we've already seen a big trend of young kids learning how to code earlier and earlier. Yeah. Do you think that should be a required field of study to some extent as uh, as we teach these kids younger and younger? Or what's your view on teaching kids to code? Yeah, I think if a kid has, you know, the interest and the aptitude and wants to do it, we, the K-12 pipeline um, is something that we're, our mayor in Louisville, uh, Mayor Greg Fisher, the tech talent pipeline, and, and I'm going to get to your question, but this is this is part of a much bigger kind of, of problem. And I think it might even be a global problem. So in Louisville, our goal is that we increase the tech talent pool by 5,000 people. So we when when Greg Fisher started this, we had, you know, 17,000 people were employable in the tech industry in Louisville, and he wants to get to 22,000 people. So he started a digital alliance with Microsoft. Um, we are an AI hub for Microsoft, and that's another conversation that I think you guys may be interested in. And my team's role is, when we think about the, the tech talent pipeline, um, we all come together with Microsoft, the whole, you know, K-12, community college, post-secondary, all, all the way to the doctorate. We all come together and say, how are we going to fix this problem? How can we get more talent in the pool? Um, so the K-12 piece is a huge part of that puzzle. And a lot of people don't bring the K-12 folks to the table to help solve it. So, you know, we've had really strong programs at the, at the high school level when it comes to coding, robotics, um, you know, cybersecurity, et cetera. We have, we have that. But for a lot of kids, that's too late, especially underrepresented populations like women and our black and brown students. It's too late. 
So we really work to pull the exposure and experiences. The backpacks helped, right? The digital transformation of JCPS. But when we talk about these skills specifically, um, we've tried to pull down into middle schools with um, programs like Girls Who Game. Uh, that's something I'm very passionate about is getting more women in technology. And then how do we pull all the way down and get exposure to those K-5 kids? So with coding in particular, um, you know, we partner strongly with code.org, uh, girls who code, et cetera, uh, to get hour of code every year. Uh, so we, we do have lots of initiatives to, and, and I challenge Microsoft because when we offer camps, it's often for high school students. It was like, no, we have to offer things for middle school students. And then I really challenged them this summer. What are we doing for elementary kids? Because here's the truth. Lots of elementary kids are perfectly capable. My daughter would code as a six-year-old on a MacBook for hours. I don't know how to code. I mean, I know the basics, but, but because I don't know how to code, am I the barrier to the access for kids because I'm insecure with it? So that's one of the things as I've gone around the state, I've really challenged educators. If we're not okay with it, it's still okay. If they want to explore and figure this out, they're going to run circles around us and we've got to be okay with that. So on coding in particular, you know, I go back and forth. Robotics, you know, automation, AI, somebody's going to have to figure out how to program those things. You know, and so getting kids excited about that earlier. And then, you know, you have a lot of people that say, well, eventually robots are going to be able to code themselves. So until then, we still need to get kids interested. And if they want to pursue the pathway, then hopefully we can give them exposure at elementary school. They can continue on in middle school, get those industry starts in high school. And then they come out to guys like you and they're ready to be hired and ready to innovate and change the world. Well, Heather, it's been Absolutely awesome talking to you. You can hear the passion in your voice whenever you talk about this <laughs> stuff. You. And what you what you do is is very important work. You know, if we want to elevate uh, the state and the country as a whole, you know, we have to start with the kids and introducing them to technology and making sure that they understand uh, the potential and the opportunities that are out there. And you know, it's not going to stop anytime soon. We're kind of on an ep- exponential curve as far as technology and emerging technologies go. So thank you so much for joining us. Um, we're definitely going to be pushing this out to some of our, our teacher connections. So where can people go to, to learn more about what you do or get in, in contact with you and all that good stuff? Yeah, so I'm on Twitter at Heather Worrell, and that is the easiest connection point and um, on the social. So also our district webpage, uh, you could Google my name, JCBS Backpack. I mean, I'm sure your listeners will have a lot of questions about that. Um, I think a lot of districts are interested in doing these things. They're just a little scared. Um, but they shouldn't be. And, you know, post-pandemic, we can never go back to the way things were. And so I just encourage all of your listeners to keep pushing, um, keep challenging what is, and how can we recreate school and make it awesome uh, for kids, for teachers, for parents uh, to make, you know, Kentucky the most innovative and engaging uh, school systems in, in the world. 